Hey guys, what's up? It's me, Rex Strategy, and you're listening to the Out East Vibes podcast brought to you by Dune Road Lifestyle. On this episode, we sit down with Netflix star and upcoming real estate kingpin, JB Andriasi. Hear us chop it up about life out east, the real estate market in the Hamptons, JB's top Hamptons picks, and so much more. Let's dive into it. All right, guys. And uh, for tonight's episode, I'm here with JB. And JB, tell me how to pronounce your last name. Is it Andriasi? Andrazi? How does you it got go? it. That's the first one. Andriasi. No one gets it on the first time. I've heard Andrizi, Andriasi, but you nailed it, Rex. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Andriasi. It's very Italian. I don't look Italian. I look like my mother, who's very, she's like fifth generation Irish. Right. Uh, out in the Hamptons. So, uh, but yeah, Andreasi, you, you nailed Andriasi. it. <laughs> I, I try. Being from Long Island myself, you know, I feel like uh, Italian names are kind of a thing around here. Um, <laughs> totally. Yeah, but uh, you know, let's let's give the people the content they crave the most, and then we'll get into the backstory behind JB. Not that that's not the most compelling, but real estate, my man. What is happening with the market right now? <sighs> unreal. It's unreal what's going on. So it's really funny. I came out here. In 2019 was my first year, which was, if people look back, it was kind of a sleepy year in terms of real estate transactions. It was uh, at the end of a cycle that we saw coming out of the uh, recession of 08, 09. Things really picked up from 11 through 17. And then 18, 19 started to get a little slow. Um, then, you know, so that was my first year, kind of learning the ways, working uh, on a team, doing small rentals. We'll get into the, sh- the shows involved in 19, but not a whole lot going on. What I did do, though, is like I put myself in a good position, networking, reaching out to uh, you know uh, past clients that I've worked in in previous lifetime uh, and other, my other career, which I pivoted from. But I was set up for 2020. And you know my second year, I kind of felt more comfortable, more confident in my skill set out here and, and the knowledge I had of of the real estate market and, and values and how it changes from street to street and Hamlet to Hamlet. And uh, I was ready. And what people have done out here, agents, colleagues of mine, it's been incredible. And, um, you know, I, my dad's been in the real estate business out here for a long time. He's a builder. And 35 years, he goes, JB, I've never seen anything like it. You know, and that, that's saying a whole lot because he's been through a lot of different cycles and waves. Yeah, it's unreal, right? And I think the the COVID exodus is probably a lot of the contribution there is people are now realizing the value outside of just a vacation to have a home in the Hamptons. Absolutely. And we, we touch on this too. It's the technology advances as well. The ability to work remotely. I think you don't have that 100% need to be in the city every single day. So I think people you know, that initial rush, people wanted to get there. The initial thought was get my family to some sort of safety, get out of the elbow to elbow and jam packed, you know, steel jungle or concrete jungle and get out to the Hamptons and feel it out. And once they were out here, they realized, holy shit, like, this is a place I want to be with my family. This is, you know, I can go on hikes, I can go visit the beach on my on my lunch break, you know, and, and, and people fell in love with that idea. And we saw a lot of that, those, those initial rentals, translate into sales a few months later, you know, and that, and it's still happening now. I mean, this is our slow, technically, quote unquote, slow period, but it certainly hasn't been that, you know, the winter is usually you go on vacation, you go to the islands, you go to Europe and uh, 
there's been no breaks here. You know, but you can see I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh pretty washed out here. But uh, still going. You still got to hold on to the rope until because you don't know. You know, you gotta you gotta do as much as you can and, and make as much you know deals and money as you can because you don't know when that when that's gonna crash and things are gonna change. No, dude, I. Fully, I fully get that, right? Because the dream of being able to work from the Hamptons and go to the beach on your lunch break or something like that, that is the dream, right? And I think, um, especially with telecommuting and honestly getting into the city for a couple of days a week from out east, not that difficult. Um, you know, here's a real question I think that a lot of people are probably considering is like, what is the sickest home office in, I mean, you see the sickest listings that are out there, but what is the sickest home office you've seen? You know, I'm a little bit, of a like I'm a character guy. So I would so I've seen some like crazy in-home libraries turn into mm-hmm. like just a total private office space. Mm-hmm. I think other people might say, you know, they've seen, you know, four TV screens and and all new technology which is kind of, but like to have a like a full-scale library feel and I've seen mahogany walls and you got bookshelves and and, yet, and, and windows kind of, you can look at, it's on Dune Road. You can look out on the beach. I can't say who, who this is. You look out on the beach, book, you know, you're in a library, private setting. It's probably the coolest office I've seen on Dune Road and Quag. That's all yeah. I can give you. No, and, and <laughs> it, it speaks to, I, I totally get that. Right? And I think it speaks to, to both of our pedigrees. Um, you know, you're a Dartmouth guy. I'm a Cornell guy. And the Ivy League library setting with the mahogany and the old books. I think once you're dipped into that in college, it stays with you in the back of your head for life. 100%. Yeah, we had uh, at Dartmouth, we had what's called the stacks. And it would go, I think it was like 100 feet underground. So we had like eight levels underneath the ground floor of just uh, private study rooms. And it was the library, it was Baker Library. And ever since then, that's where I'd study and and kind of get away from everything. And I was a football guy too. So to get away from like the guys and the drinking, sometimes I'd just like shoot down there. And yeah, I guess that's where, I guess that's where it comes from. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, football now that we're on that subject. So, um, you know, I don't know where we found this stat. Um, you know, it came up in our research from somewhere, but allegedly, you know, we've heard reports, rumors even, that you are uh, the all-time best defensive back to ever play Long Island Catholic High School football. <laughs> is that correct? That's, Where did we get that from? That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Um, wow, that that's pretty cool to hear. But is that actually – did you actually see that? <laughs> the person who told us that said that you would immediately understand the reference. That's too funny. Yeah, I mean, I look, I was a very good athlete. It feels like a long time ago because – man, I haven't played football in like eight or nine years. And a lot of people don't know, like going, you know, high school, I was all state and everything here. Um, safety, kick returner, have a couple records at St. Anthony's. We were 23 in the nation by USA Today, my senior year when I was a captain there. And luckily I, I was able to play at the next level at Dartmouth and have a nice career there as well. And, and uh, but yeah, you know, when you're so immersed in that world, that was my identity. That's all I know. It was, it was football, football, football. It was training. It was watching film. It was just kind of enhancing your skill set in that to be the best you could be there. So, like, when I graduated from Dartmouth, I was a little bit lost, right? Like, I, I was going from being this, like, this athlete. It's all, you know, all we do is eat, sleep, breathe football. And then it's like, okay, what do I do now? I can't put the pads on and go hit someone. It's over. Yeah. You know, you're not going to the league. You're 5'10", 175. Like, it's not – you know, it's, like, not going to happen. But um, so, yeah, man, that's – but, I, you know, the thing is, though, I learned a lot of lessons from that yeah. sport. 
and how and how to be a team player, how to uh, trust and rely on others that are have a common goal or working towards a common goal. And a lot of those lessons I learned from my coaches from my playing days, I applied to the real estate world now. I was going to say, so tell me about the prep work, right? So like, and we'll get into the show in a little bit. Everyone yeah. knows what the show we're talking about is, but you know, huh. we saw at least on the show and, you know, I think most of our listeners have dealt with real estate uh, at some point in their lives, um, you know, or had their parents uh, do so and been involved in that way. But there's a difference <clears throat> broker to broker between the preparation going into a listing, understanding how to show a property, et cetera. And not to speak on others, but let's talk about your process and how, you know, the study process from football kind of translates into how you work today. Yeah, I'd say it's football, but it's also, again, going back to that Ivy League education. Mm -hmm. And what I learned there, I didn't really learn a specific, I didn't learn about a specific trade, right? I didn't go to be in finance or I didn't go to uh, be go towards being an attorney. But mm -hmm. what an Ivy League education, I think you might be able to agree with this, is mm -hmm. I would say this, I learned how to learn. Yes. So like I was able, what we did for those four years and in and, and post-grad too with, with the um, business school, I went to a tuck for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I learned how to learn, meaning like I can dissect problems and apply solutions. Um, I'm able to communicate with one another and, and figure out the best practices um, uh, at, a, at a given you know issue or problem or uh, project. And that's the biggest thing that I take and apply to the real estate world. And, and when I'm going into a listing pitch is understanding everything, not only about that home, but also about things around that home, whether it's certain trades, things that have been on the market. Why is it, why have those comps been on the market for so long? Who are the owners? What do they do? Who do they know? You know, that that's so important to be as prepared as possible when you go into these listing pitches, because the other thing is I'm 30 years old. I'm right. going against some of these Susan Breitenbachs, Gary DePersias, like mm -hmm. the founding fathers of mm -hmm. and the Mount Rushmore of brokers in the Hamptons. And they're a mm -hmm. lot older and they're a lot more experienced. So mm -hmm. why is someone that's you know, worth five hundred million dollars and owns on Dune Road. Why is he going to give me a shot? I have to, mm -hmm. I have, I have to out prepare every single one of the people that I'm going up against for that listing. Yeah, and so that makes sense, right? That there's uh, a big segmentation of brokers, right, in terms of age, experience, and whatnot. Um, but there's also things that you know younger folks like yourself, right, can can do to really add value in a in a unique and really hustle oriented way. So talk to me, like. Talk to me about that, I guess, and like, you know, your approach to the work itself, right? Like what makes you the best and, you know, getting better every year? I think, you know, a lot has to do with this show and kind of uh, unique exposure that I can offer owners and properties that maybe someone at Sotheby's or someone at a Corcoran can't do. So the re mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I chose Nest Seekers is you know, th the show is one thing, but it's the accessibility to some of the superiors and the best brokers internationally. Like a lot of mm -hmm. people don't know that this firm is has international exposure. Um, mm -hmm. We're in London, we're in Dubai, mm -hmm. we're mm -hmm. in uh, very strong in, in Beverly Hills and South Beach. And a lot mm -hmm. of those same clients that some of our best brokers within this brokerage and within this shop have, we're going to have complete access to them. So when we do have a big listing, we're going to be able to kind of go through our elite list of clients and contacts mm -hmm. and be able to, you know, get, get those people out to look at the property right away. And then the other thing is, you know, I'm very, very fortunate in this. I have the CEO of this company. I can text him right now and ask him to come over. I need something. So mm -hmm. in terms of resources, 
money that we can put behind advertising spends for properties. Mm-hmm. It's super unique. It's uh, next level stuff that I can provide. And that's, that's where I lean on it. Some of that, like it's the technology advances within the firm. It's the show, the exposure from the show and what I'm doing, you know, pivot personally branding wise from the show and, and things like that, that kind of give me that leg up or that competitive advantage against everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that makes perfect sense, right? Because for some of the highest end listings, the ones that really you guys make a name on, there's only a, a there's the pool of buyers is not as big as some people might think, right? When you're talking about a home that's $20 million, let's say, or up, or even I'd say 15 and up, the average Joe is not going to be able to, or not even the average Joe, I would say, let me edit myself there, right? I would say, a large segment of the real estate consumption market is not going to be able to show up and make it a credible bid, right? So it's really about tapping into those networks. And, um, you know, talking about this also, right? Like, have you seen um, folks from generally other markets who don't own property, let's say in Manhattan, right? Or maybe they do, but it's a pied-a-terre and they're mainly in Dubai or they're mainly in Paris or London or whatever. Have those people started looking at homes out east specifically more so than other years this past yeah. year? I had to actually two deals from someone who lives actually in Dubai and he knows someone, he knows a broker in the city, Mm -hmm. but the city person didn't have a a contact in the Hamptons, but had seen the show had, we have a mutual connection, reached out, said, Hey, what's, no, what's JB like? See what, how's his work ethic? Is he going to be a good contact for me and my client and, and find me the best possible opportunity in the Hamptons? And we put together a string, couple string of deals, just like that. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, we keep kind of alluding back to the show. You know, I don't, and we'll get into this. I don't want to be a TV star, but what I mm-hmm. saw was an opportunity that you know, I have another two deals from this pet from 2020 that someone in DC and someone in South Beach had mm-hmm. a client looking for properties in the Hamptons. They mm-hmm. didn't know anyone here. Instead of typing in best Hamptons broker into Google, seeing what popped yeah. up and hitting them. They saw me on the show and said, yep. hey, this guy looks like he's pretty sharp. He knows, you know, he's a local. He knows what's going on. And let me give him a shot. And so yep. I've gotten referrals that way, you know, and that's that's huge, especially starting out. Oh, yeah. Like one of the big things when picking a broker or even an attorney or really any professional is that like you don't know the person, right? You've never seen them interact with a client, a colleague, a counterparty, etc. It's It's difficult to know how this person's going to represent you because you don't know them. And one of the really cool things, and I, you know, big ups to Netflix and not for nothing, right? I think they seriously did an excellent job here of showcasing each of you as individuals and as professionals. And I felt like before we even jumped on this recording, and mind you, we don't know each other from before this, right? I feel like I had a good sense of what to expect. I knew who I was going to be speaking to tonight. And um, I think that translates. And, uh, you know, in terms of the way in which you came across, it's, it, I think it's very true to life, right? In terms of the professionalism and the, um, honestly, the the taking ownership of stuff is something I came across. And I think that's super important. And talk to us about that, about how you take ownership of the process. Yeah. So I've never had any TV experience before this. So I'm actually, yeah. I was quite, you know, going into it. I come from a family that's, we're rather conservative. We have a lot of a lot of connections out here in the Hamptons. It's a very tight knit community, all year mm-hmm. round community. And when I approached my parents about this, and this is something, you know, of course, this is ultimately it was my decision to make. But I always lean on my family, and my parents for guidance in that and make sure that they're comfortable and, and okay with everything. And 
man, we went back and forth on it. You know, we, mm-hmm. we really, it was like, do, you know, we, we kind of went with the old, you know, the pros and cons, you know, what are the pros, what are the cons and went through that whole thing. And we ultimately decided that, you know, it would be a good opportunity. And to your point, I am who I am. You know, I, I was brought up the right way. I'm a genuine person. I'm a kind person. So, and, and that's, I get that from my parents and my family. Um, so I knew how I'd be, you know, everyone said, oh, that, but they can spin it and make you look in, look like this or a certain way. But what you give them, you know, you only give them who you are and, and that's all right. that they can work with, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's how it came across. And I was very lucky that it did come across like that. And I was received well, the show, you know, the, the show is the show, but in terms of what I have received from it and maybe some of my colleagues as well. Um, it was really, you know, it was really cool. And it's something that, you know, you'll go back and tell your kids like, you know, 20 years from now, like, yeah, you know what, man? Like I was on this, I was on the show on Netflix and probably Netflix won't probably be around. It'll be something else by then, but like, you know what I mean? It'll be, it'll just be cool to share. And yeah, you know, everyone gets a little too serious with the show. The show is the show. It's a, it's a good reflection of the Hamptons and, and the real estate market. It was a slow year that year. And, not to defend it, but man, if we shot this past year, that would have been a much different story. For all you listeners, of course, you've probably realized by now the show we're talking about is Million Dollar Beach House on Netflix, starring JB and his colleagues. <laughs> um, you know, at, at Nest Seekers in uh, in the Hamptons, and uh, you know, is there going to be a sequel? There will be. Yeah, there will be. There will be a season two, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be starting to shoot very soon. Mm-hmm. The platform may change. I'm offering mm-hmm. as much as I can here. Sure. Uh, <laughs> But the, the platform may change. Mm-hmm. Netflix, it's it's between one other streaming platform that's coming up pretty pretty hot and heavy in the game now and and Netflix. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Well, awesome. That's 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 sick to hear. And look, again, one of the things we like to do on the Audi's Fives podcast is everyone we, you know, talk to has got something like uh, you know, a show or a product or an Instagram, something they're super famous for. But that's there's more to the person than just that. And there's more to JV and Drassi than just million dollar beach house and so we want to go uh let's go back to high school right (laughs) let's go let's go back to high school um (laughs) and from what we understand is you had a pretty unique living situation we can skip this if you want but we were told to maybe ask you about the house and i think you know what we're talking about (laughs) i do um so my my father we decided i was southampton public school until eighth grade and then Mm -hmm. in high school there was a decision. Actually, it wasn't my decision. It was my dad's decision. He didn't want me to go to high school out here for a variety of different reasons. Uh, mainly, he saw... Dartmouth mm-hmm. football probably happened because of St. Anthony's. 100%. Yeah. If I played football at Southampton High School, I would not have gone Ivy League. No. Yep. No. no. Uh, things would have been much different. And at that point, when you're 14 years old, you don't realize that. You know. So I was kicking and screaming. That I'm not, all my friends are here. I'm not leaving to go to school. I don't know anyone up there. You know, for those who don't know, St. Anthony's in, is in Huntington, New York, which yep. is an hour, you know, hour and 10 minutes away from Southampton. At least. At least. Um, and that's, yeah, without traffic. And, but my dad decided that was the opportunity. He made a lot of sacrifices to get me to go there, you know, uh, financial implications, but also he, he's in construction out here. So he would have to leave. We left at like, 5.15 every morning. He'd drive me up to school. Yeah. This was freshman year. And then he'd come back and work and then pick me up after whatever sport I was playing after practice and bring me home. He's on the road for four plus hours a day. I mean, insane. But long days. And uh, But that's how much he believed in me and how much he believed yeah. in his school. But after a while, he was like, all right, 
this is getting to be too much, you know, like what, yeah. what can I do to like alleviate some of this travel time and just like the stress or whatever. So we got this house, man. We got, we, I, I met this, my best friend to date, this kid, James Brady. He was the first person, like I would sit alone at lunch, which I'm a pretty social kid. Like I was growing up too. And I was alone for the first two weeks of football camp going in the freshman year. And this kid, James Brady, and uh, he took me under his wing. Um, and, and same. And actually that led to me meeting Michael full free as well. And James and Mike became my best friends right off the bat. Um, and we had, my dad actually purchased this house in Melville, which was like five minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. And we, that's where I'd crash. You know, I'd, we'd go to like speed training after, uh, practice We'd go to school day, speed training, go to, and then come home and me and James's family lived at this house. So I would just like crash with my best buddy and play like call of duty all night and just like hang out and then get ready for the next day. And, and it was nice because I, one, I had like a, you know, compact, like my best bud. And also I didn't have to freaking wake up at four forty five to get yeah. to school, high school, yeah. like yeah. a little, little crazy. So, but the house, man, we, so many memories from this house, like a lot of sh- shit I can't get into, of course. Yeah. Um, but just high school shenanigans and, and Michael, you know, I'm sure Michael tipped you off on this. Michael was a big part of that. <laughs> you know, he's, and uh, yeah, just a lot of memories. And, and I'll never forget those days because those those guys are like my ride or dies are the most loyal guys in my life. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. you, you drift away from your high school friends, but I at least found two that I can say will be a part of my life forever. You know? Yeah. One's a colleague now, too. Yeah. And one's a colleague. And we all. Yeah. For those who have seen the show, you know. Michael's personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, will probably be speaking to him somewhere down the line on this podcast. So very we'll good. That'll be that'll be very entertaining. I, I I've heard uh, you know he did an episode of another podcast and I listened to it and it was it was yeah. very funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, no people are always interested in real estate and we you know did a poll on Instagram and had huge demand for folks to come and talk about you know for, first of all to get to know y'all and then second to talk about the market and to talk about um you know what's happening trends etc and it's a good it's a good touch point and real estate itself as a subject in the hamptons is one of the few things people can all kind of speak on the weather real estate traffic that's basically well that's and and to your point it's like real estate there's so many different things that go into real estate right like think about Mm -hmm. the building world out here like oh yeah how much of our business, our local economy is, is driven from the building and the trades and everything, everyone mm-hmm. that comes out here to work uh, each day. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's super interesting. And it's a huge part of the identity of the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's funny. That's sort of what I want to like lean into a little bit more in season two. And mm-hmm. season one was great. Again, that was shot two years ago. I was like a mm-hmm. true, true rookie. So like mm-hmm. looking back, I'm like, God, so much has happened since then. But season two, now they're like leaning on me for a little bit. Like I can offer that guidance on where the show is going to go, which is really yep. important, especially for like clients that may be wanting to be a part of this thing too now. So, yep, yep, cool. yep, yeah. yep. So you're the new Jimmy, right? Is that that sort of... Jimmy's the guy. I, I'll tell you. Jimmy, I, I picture, yeah, yeah, if real yeah. estate is like the matrix, Jimmy's the guy looking at the back end of the code being like, yep, there's a deal. Yep, there's a deal. Yep, there's a deal. <laughs> he's, he's super... So... For those who don't, Jimmy got me my start. Like I, he, yep. you know, he was the one that recruited me to come to Nest Seekers to leave the city. I was working the city to yep. leave the city to come back home to work, and uh, I learned a lot from him. I learned a whole lot from him. Our styles are completely different. Yeah, how we approach things, but his way to like find deals and to it's the matrix. 
It's the Matrix. There's no other way of saying it. It's incredible. The way yep. he's able to woo his, like, he almost puts people under a spell. And it's not the most eloquent speech. Like, you, you hear him and you're like, is it, it doesn't really, you know, he's kind of choppy yeah. and communicate. Yeah. But somehow it's special shit. Like, I, yeah. I, I honestly, I can't replicate it. I don't think a lot of people can, and especially because he's so young. He's only 32, you know? Right. And he's doing yeah, really, he's doing so well. Like, he, he yeah. crushes it. So, yeah. It's um, one of those things. Um, he's been a great mentor. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and let's talk about something else that's very, like, uh, typically Hamptons, or at least, you know, this is something that the Hamptons gets a reputation for, but you get here and you realize it's not everything, but it's definitely a thing. Let's talk about rosés, right? Because people love to talk about Hamptons and rosé. Yeah. So, are you a rosé guy or are you not? And if you are, what's your favorite? And if not, what's your go to? Dude, I'd be lying. If I said I was a rosé guy, I'm trying to get into it, trying to get into it. It's a little too sweet for me, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. white, like white wine, I can't do red wine. If I'm having dinner is something I'll go to, but it's not my top choice in alcohol. But mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to get in the rosé game. Do you have any like what should I be looking out for? Is there anything that you'd recommend if you're trying to get someone to turn on to it? What do you have any recommendations? So, uh, you know, on this podcast, in a previous episode, we uh, talked to Jesse Bon Jovi, who, like yourself, was a college football player. Um, and he's brought that work ethic that, you know, is just un- unmistakable uh, into the wine game. And so Hampton Water, you know, is a, is a friend of the brand. So I'll disclose that. Right. There's no mm-hmm. business relationship, but we've had him on and you know, we like the product. And, uh, you know, I can say that I enjoy it myself. Um, so there's definitely, you know, that's definitely one that I would recommend, but I also wouldn't push rosé upon people who don't instinctively gravitate towards it. Right. It's like, it's kind of like the, the Mickey mouse of the Hamptons in terms of our beverage choices, but there's a lot else going on here. Um, you know, my favorite wine that's produced out East is actually the blueberry port from duck walk. And I make a really nice reduction with that for steak. Um, that's my go-to, but in terms of drinks, then what's your drink of choice and in the Hamptons, where would you go to, to have a yeah. drink? This is an easy one, and people my some people laugh at this. They and they think you know they're like, oh, my, my grandpa drinks these, dude. I love Manhattans. I yeah. am a true like Manhattan guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, like on the rocks. I don't really like it up. Put it on the rocks mm-hmm. and like a a bullet or a Maker's is fine. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to get it, it's probably going to be like probably Barons Cove or Bell yep. and Anchor. Yep. Um. Those would probably be my two spots to go get yep. a to go get a good Manhattan. Uh, yeah, yeah, those two places, Barons Cove and uh, Bell and Anchor, are covered on our top picks on the uh, on the website. They're definitely two of the best spots in the Hamptons that you know we've discovered in our ten plus years of being out here. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, like Bell and Anchor too. It's like Bell and Anchor doesn't really get the love that I think a lot. You know, some of these other restaurants do out here. Yeah, and. It's one of those places like I might be a little biased because I, I'm pretty like I live five minutes or like six minutes down, like a little bit west of there on mm-hmm. Noyak Road. So it's a little mm-hmm. easy, easier for it's a little bit easier for me to get to. Mm-hmm. But I always have like such a quality meal there. The yeah. staff is great. I know the owner, um, the bartender, Carl's awesome. So like it's just a really like nice experience and it's not like so pretentious and it's just like a good mid-level mid to high level restaurant out here i'd I'd recommend it to anyone 
And that's the thing with uh, dining out east in the Hamptons too, right? Is people people see the homes and they see the the level of, of income and everything else that's associated with that, and they assume then that everything in terms of experiences out east, uh, whether it's going out for drinks or meals or stuff like that, is always has to be like per se or Daniel in the city, super super Michelin, a million stars, whatever. And that's not the case, right? Like you have these bistro type restaurants that put out quality quality cuisine at normal price points and it's just a good like all-around experience and that's 100%. something we like that's part of the reason why we started the whole website was to raise awareness of that fact because these restaurants may not get the love that they should from people just looking for a good dinner and that's absolutely. what they're there for absolutely no there's a lot of a lot of great choices out here i think you know for me i don't know i don't know your top choice but east hampton grill i always have a good meal there good steak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Good, I'd say dinner, East Hampton Grill. Mm-hmm. And then lunch-wise, I got to tell you, man, I always have a great time at American Hotel. And they make the, like this crazy like lobster BLT sandwich mm-hmm. on like mm-hmm. white toast. It's phenomenal. Um, and a grilled tuna pesto sandwich, which is so sick too. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But those yeah. would be those would be my top choice. I you know tuto yeah tutos is okay. People it's love good. Tutos, I yeah, know yeah. people people love tutos. I mean it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. 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 like you, you can't you can't steer people away. Every time I have like a client or like someone yeah. coming from the city, they're like, oh, let's hit tutos. I mean, wh- why is it only tutos? There's other places. I- so part of the reason why we started our site is exactly that. Two toasts yeah. is on there for sure, but there's also there's Dopo, you know, there's uh, Capoletti's, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of other places that are San Ambrose too. I mean, San Ambrose a little bit uh, richer, I guess, like mm-hmm. price wise, but it's it's mm-hmm. a pretty good meal there too, Italian wise. Yep. Yeah, La Bilboquet, I think, has been completely conquered by the influencers. If you don't have 20,000 Instagram followers, you can't be let in. I'm sorry. Yeah, ex- exactly. I know. Apparently. No, Which it's, just, not yeah, that, I, I, it's not true, but it kind of almost is. Like I, I, But before the show, I like wasn't allowed in there. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that I have a certain amount of following, they're like, oh, yeah, JB, come on in. Like you see, yeah. you know, they, they, it's so right. It's so true. It's funny. That's um, really funny. And, no, it's, you know, and talk to us about, because, okay, there's, it's funny, right? There's the Hamptons and then there's Montauk, which is technically a part of the Hamptons, but it's almost like there's a dividing line right where our house is in Amagansett, where it's like, this is the Hamptons and that is Montauk. Right. Talk to us, educate us about the differences. I, and also real estate wise, there's a whole different world going on there where, uh, I mean, just to say one thing, I was looking at deals and I saw literally a crack shack for a million and a half dollars because it was on Fort Pond. And right, people right. looked like they were making drugs in there before. Like it was- yeah. No, but totally. Apparently, and why? Oh, uh, totally. No, it certainly is. Um, one thing I can't decide on, and I think everyone I ask this question to, I get it's like 50 50. Mm-hmm. Is Montauk a part of the Hamptons or is it its own separate like entity in a way? I like tend to err on the side of like, I don't know how you feel about this. Montauk to me is in the Hamptons. Like it's yeah, it's part yeah, of the Hamptons. Yeah. Like it's part it, of the town of Hampton. It's part of yeah, and just because it doesn't have a Hampton in the name or like it's a little bit further out, like it's yeah. part of the the whole thing, the whole thing we got going on. It's Sagaponic. Yeah, right, right, exactly, right. exactly. Um, no, Montauk's super cool. It has its own like it just has its own identity, which is like, yeah. and, and so you could argue Sag Harbor does too, and some, but like it's totally like such a different place you go out there once you drive through those like the uh the dunes right like uh uh, nepiog and those 
and you go yeah. through there and you're just like in a different world once you land on where it splits and you go old Montauk Highway or, or, or continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, super cool place. I think a lot of people, um, you know, actually recently the transactions there were a little bit slower. It's not like it was hot in like 2017, 2018. It kind of dipped a bit. Now it's back. But you're right. Now over the last like eight months, you're seeing these little tiny like properties that are going mm-hmm. for seven figures plus. And you're like, who the, like, what the hell? This is like wow. a 700 be- yeah. seven hundred square foot beach shack. Like, yes. what? Like, what can yeah. you actually do here? Like, all right, someone might tear it down, but what are you going to, like, what can you yeah. do? Oh, you well, know? tear it down. What are you going to build back? If exactly. you take the foundation out, you're going to be able to build a hut. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, a refined hut. In, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, exactly. And then, and on the front end, you're spending, you know, an arm and a leg for like yeah. a 0.1 acre piece. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's insane. It's ridiculous. There's not the thing with Montauk is there's not a whole lot of opportunities like that. There's not a yeah. whole lot of land, you know, there's not a whole lot of new construction. So when something does come on, mm-hmm. it's usually usually goes pretty quickly. Yeah, Montauk Montauk's awesome. Like I, I grew up going out to Montauk, like I spent a lot of my twenties out there. I would hang out with like like Rob Gronkowski was at uh what's the old place? Um uh the place on the beach. A blanking. What the, you mean? The bar tuna? on the beach, sloppy tuna. Oh god! So, yeah, sloppy tuna. Well, it's just gone now. Yeah. You know it's yeah. gone, right? Now it's, oh, it's gone. on the yeah. beach. Well, yeah. it's. I think it's rebranded. I yeah, think it's both. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, a lot of fun out there, and and some good restaurants out there too. Like if you're, yeah. you know, going to get a, a lobster roll or something like that, or uh, Harvest is a great, great restaurant yeah. as well. The night, if you're like nightlife seeking, I think that's probably where you're gonna like want to like hit up. Yeah, definitely. And- there's different scenes out there too, nightlife wise. I mean, I'm sure we probably shouldn't ask you what you and the Gronk got up to at Sloppy Tunes back in the day, but <laughs> you know, yeah. going hard is not the only thing there is to do out there. Um, yeah, we love we love a bunch of spots. Here's a hot take. Ready? Surf Lodge, jump the shark, or still going strong in terms of cool? What do you think? I think it's a little out, outdated, outplayed. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. It had its yeah. time. I think that's, and that's to be said about a lot of different places, not just in the Hamptons, but, you know, there's places and restaurants and, and bars or, or, uh, you know, event venues that have its, mm-hmm. have its day. And I think that, you know, that heyday's passed. Do you remember the nightclubs where they had their little moment where you had Pink Elephant out east, oh, Georgica? Yeah. No doubt. That, the Capri, is it a Capri was the Pink Elephant? Yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah Capri, yeah, I think, was yeah. Pink Elephant. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah. just recorded. Um, this is actually funny. I recorded an episode with three uh, fitness people talking about like the future of fitness post-pandemic. We did this recording on Sunday, and one of the girls was like, I was out in the Hamptons at a club, and I don't remember what it was called because I was like drunk when I was leaving and going, and it was like a white mansion. And I'm trying to think, like, a white mansion that used to be a club. I think it was Georgica. It had to have been. Uh, but Georgica hasn't. Common. Yeah. Years I, yeah. ago. Yeah. Right, right, right. It had to have been Georgica, right? I, I would right. think. That's the yeah. only white thing that comes yeah. unless unless she was thinking pink elephant i don't know she's like a two years younger than me i think and this is when she was 18 or 19 so we're talking got like, it yeah a bunch of years ago i yeah. think it had to be one of those one of those yeah, yeah. no it, yeah it, <laughs> those are fun i've hit them up i've hit every single one up um and you know it's fun. i'm not like a huge nightlife person i'm more of like a like, do you remember what is the God? My memory, you could tell my memory stinks, but the place on Dune Road in in Quag, 
the Neptunes. Old, old Neptunes Beach Club, of course. Dude, yeah. Neptunes. Okay, that was my favorite spot to go. You're on the ocean, just partying so hard. Early twenties, yeah. you know, like for yeah. me, it was early twenties. And bro, yeah. I've never, I've had the best nights of my life there. Yes. Yes. And then it shut that one, and then it was just like, yeah, we're like shutting down. I was like, what? Like, what? Do you, where are you go? Like, what do you mean? No, dude. And we, uh, you know, my generation onto yours came in at the tail end of Neptune's, right? So when I was working, we both worked in finance in the city, and if you said the word Neptune's Beach Club to the guys who are now probably forty-five to fifty, when they were in their twenties, like yeah. we're talking you know, the mid to late, late eighties to early nineties. And, you know, Hampton Bays used to be bumping. Popping. Like Hampton Bays was the spot, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. West, I, West Hampton. And like, if you look at the history, like the eighties and nineties, West Hampton and Quag, you know, with in, in between Hampton Bays popping west of the canal was popping. And I think, you know, they're making a little bit of a comeback. We'll see what happens in terms of like just going back to like real estate value and say, like there's a little bit of a push there. Like West Hampton Beach, that little main street is kind of coming up. Um, Hampton Bay has some good, I think, some good restaurants. Cowfish, Rumbas, like I hit up all the time. Rumbas you know? is one of my favorites. Dude, me too. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. You ever go to Krieg's Bakery, the little bakery no. in town? No. Ooh, you're missing out. All really? Right, I'm not a big donuts guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not a yeah. I'm not a huge donuts guy, but I gotta hit it up, huh? Uh, ever since I got married, I've become an extra huge donuts guy, extra huge being in my waistline. Uh, no, but <laughs> so Krieg's Bakery is next to it's, you know, where the UPS and the butcher shop is on the main drag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right in that little shopping plaza, the first of that little row of shops is Krieg's Bakery and they're a little hometown bakery. It's like a slice of any town USA, right? Mom and pop running the shop, uh, the kids behind okay. the counter when they're not in school, and, uh, you know, I used to have a house back in the day that was like around the corner and down the block from there. And so we used to walk, you know, hungover, still awake at like seven in the morning. And Mr. Krieg would be in there in the back, like literally frying donuts. And so we used to grab him from him at the side door. It was the best. Experience That's so cool. Oh, I and love he would, that. Yeah. He would drop just bombs like the Dunkin' Donuts guys. They don't put milk powder in the donuts. They're taking all the nutritional value out. <laughs> and we're sitting there like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! And so yeah. it's still there. I got to check it out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, um, they're like a perennial staple. They they have their little Dan's Best of the Whatever awards too. They they got a clientele. So but, uh, what, what do you do? You like Grindstone in Sag Harbor? Love them. You know, yeah. that's yeah. like the other end of it. And the city, I would put Grindstone up against like the the city like cool trendy like donut plant then there was a donut factory confections in the city are as you know are just like a perennially strong category because totally. when you're stressed out and working you want to put some sugar in your mouth like as soon as you know within arm's reach <laughs> and if you've got disposable income you want it to look pretty so absolutely you know, Kriegs doesn't do pretty Kriegs is just like hometown this is a donut here you go right whereas grindstone i feel like with their flavors and you can get a donut cake if you wanted to like it's it's as good as any shop in the city, I would say for sure. No, hundred percent. Now they're bringing it. Their coffee is pretty good too. Like if yeah. I'm going to get like a little specialty, if I'm feeling a little, you know, I need a little extra kick, and I'm going for a latte mm-hmm. or something, I'll go there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it, it gets you it gets you right. I, I love that yeah. spot. Good yeah. vibes in there too. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to those guys. Those guys are phenomenal. Um, it's funny. This is just another random side story. I was supposed to get married 
um, at Navy Beach, uh, another one of our favorites. Yeah. Uh, shout yeah. out to Franklin and Layla um, back in May of last year. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was a donut cake. And it would have been from Grindstone, but of course, pandemic and we had to cancel everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. got married over Zoom, much like this podcast, you know. Oh, I, man. I that's it's a real love, though. You, you know, yeah. you got to, you got to, ju- I say, Justin improvise all the time, but A and I, but for a wedding, that's tough. <laughs> I can't yeah. Say, yeah. That's a little, yeah. But you what about it. you? Can we go into this? Are you single, dating someone? Not married. Yeah. Sure. I'm dating someone. Um, I am dating someone we are so goodness, man. <clears throat> Victoria and I have been dating for a little over two years. Okay. So we started dating uh, 2019. So during the show, pretty much. So funny enough, this is actually a good segue. Um, Victoria and I did a lobster roll tour pre-pandemic. Oh, what? Yeah. Bro, so we hit, I mean, as many as we could. I think we got up to like nine different spots all throughout every hamlet. Yeah. And the winner? You know, it's funny. I This one was a sleeper. Shinnecock Lobster Factory. Ooh, on, oh. the, on the reservation. On the reservation. Yeah. Phenomenal. People might not realize that there was a Native American reservation in Southampton. Tell there us is. The whole thing. That's yeah. a whole nother thing. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that, that's actually, that's that's great. I, I, there is. Um and they have their own little, you know, their own section of Southampton. It's in Southampton town, um, right outside the village. And, but yeah, the shop is right on the reservation. Um, it's, it's, it's like, it looks like a, I don't even like, it looks like an old, it's almost like an old dairy, like a dairy barn or like just a tiny little shack. And you just walk mm-hmm. up to the window and there's, there's some seating, but it's really like, go up, get the lobster on like and dip and just like yeah. go for a walk yeah. with it or something, you yeah. know, like. So um, that was our favorite, and we did like Salt and Shelter Island, and mm-hmm. um, Hooked and Montauk and Canal Cafe and mm-hmm. Hampton Bays. So we we had yep. we had a good Ed's Lobster Roll, Dockside, yep. Sag, you know. So we had a good like mix of places and different vibes, and yeah, Shinnecock Lobster Factory. I'd highly highly recommend it. I'm very excited. I think they open like April one, or I think it's for the season. So like I'm like got that date. We're getting we're getting there. So we're almost there. Yeah, so we can go get another yeah. lobster. <laughs> yeah, big props to the those guys too. And you know they've had various struggles with the town and whatnot. With like the you know people see now when they're driving in on it's only on one side of the highway right now. But the big you know billboard, which there's a controversy that you know we can post some links to um regarding whose land it is and whether the tribe who asserts that it's their land you know has the right to build those billboards and whatnot but there's been rumors also that there's a casino coming um and being kind of plugged into the environment out there better than anybody tell us uh, what's going on if you that that rumor has been swirling for a long time it's actually it's not a like a new idea or concept or project it's been Mm -hmm something that's been spoken about for a long time now. And I think, you know, obviously um, the, the reservation and, and the, and the folks that are there really are pushing forward and it would bring mm-hmm. in a lot of money for their, uh, their community. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. they, there's certainly, there's certainly um, reasons that it makes sense. You know what the implications of doing something like that, though, it's a little bit scary to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I think that, you know, just just um, infrastructure wise, 
Do we have mm-hmm. the Hamptons? You know, we barely have enough yeah. right now. Our cell ta- the cell towers are down. The road, you see, some of the roads are, yeah. are a mess. Um, you introduce something like that, and you have a huge influx of people coming in from Western Suffolk County, from mm-hmm. Nassau County, perhaps, mm-hmm. to come and use and, and and play at this casino and gamble at this casino. We don't have like how we deal with traffic enough out here. Yeah. So what is yeah. like, honestly, and, and a lot of it in there is going to be residential. So like that, yeah. mid, you know, the middle pond, little neck area, like Shinnecock yeah. Hills, that's, a, yeah. you know, residential is booming there. I have a couple yeah. properties there. Like what happens then to those areas? Like, so yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And, and, um, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out over, you know, over the next couple of months. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. Right. Like, um, We've had, you know, I've been driving out um, every now and then over the last couple of months. And when I'm coming in, there's that new lane coming up, I think, on Montauk Highway coming in. Um, right. But it, that ends kind of at the Southampton bypass. Right. And then right. beyond there, it's still the same. You can't build out Montauk Highway through Southampton all the way out to Montauk through Bridgehampton, et cetera. It's just it is what it is. And then I've looked on the map and it's like there's no other place to build a second road a second no. east west and so it is what it, it's going to be what it's going to be and you're 100 percent right right like it's a it's a strong balancing act but yeah it, it make it what you said has made me a little nervous right um and i think it's i think it's going to be interesting how it plays out the other yeah. thing is though too like is there demand for something like that here are people know. really going to go to a casino in the hamptons when like I don't know how much there's Jake's 58, like off of the LA. I was just about to say Jake's. Why wouldn't you just go there? It's right there. So why are you going to come all the way out here? I, I couldn't see your clients at their beach houses leaving there to go to a casino to play slots. I just can't see it. No, I think you have a, a, maybe a few of them, but, but few and far between, like generally speaking, no, like, and I might be speaking out of turn. I don't know, but I, I would think that my clients aren't going to, you know, throw down, you know, a thousand bucks on black. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, because look, right. If they're coming in from Dubai on their private jet landing in East Hampton airport and going to their beach house, if they wanted to go gamble, they could have just made a right turn and gone to Monaco. Right. Total. Totally. This is not that. Yeah. It's just not that, that vibe. No, exactly. Right. We'll see. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. What haven't we talked about and what's next for JB that uh, we should know about, the people should know about? And uh, yeah, tell us. I think the biggest thing for me is like, I want to be a builder. Like I, I am. And we, my father has been a builder out here. Part, actually, the main reason why I came out here was to evolve his building business and take it from the 90s way into mm-hmm. like the 20s, 2020s, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that specifically. What changes? you know, the next 15, 20 years, who is our buyer going to be right now? Yeah. We, we know who our, our buyer is out here at the, mm-hmm. you know, five, 10, 15, $20 million price point. But mm-hmm. that's something I'm trying to change is like those people are, you know, some of those people are going to be like old, older and they'll have their place and they may be, you know, mm-hmm. that that's that wave. But I'm trying to like target my guys who are now, what about us? Yeah. What about us? the millennials, about, right? Like thirties, yeah, forties, yeah. the guys that are, that I can connect to really, really well. My colleagues and people I worked with, people I went to school with, are now starting to make a shit ton of money, and they're looking for that opportunity to put their hat down in the Hamptons and have their mm-hmm. second home. So, um, you know, my focus now is to co- create a brand which speaks to that audience, yeah. and I feel like I have there's a there's an opening there, especially in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. You see, you know, a lot of the and and 
not taking away from the brokers that have been out here doing it for 30, 35, 40 years, you know, that's, that's great, you know, and they have their client base. Now it's about the next wave of the younger kind of millennial generation, yeah. which we're a part of, um, yeah. having the ability to now invest, rent, sell, buy in the Hamptons. And that's who I'm targeting. And build. And build. And build. And, that's, and that gets back to like, I, that, that's what I want to do. You'll see a lot of me switching gears into like the developer role. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm very good at selling and that this is great, but I think being a developer and controlling um, um, assets and people that uh, are investors and things like that and, and working with architects to come up with new innovative designs, that's mm-hmm. something that's really what I'm passionate about. And that's mm-hmm. originally why I came out here. Mm-hmm. Um, just it happens to be the last two years, the focus was just became being a broker. And I yeah. think there'll be a balance of that, but it's, you're going to start to see a, a slight shift into more of like the builder role instead of the seller. Yeah. No, JB, you're hundred percent right. And right. And like the, the development market out here is something that I think we'll see a renaissance now that existing home prices have frankly gone in, especially in places like Montauk beyond a level that I would say in terms of price per square foot, that is, that is reasonable. If you're starting to see a number in Montauk that looks like, you know, Brooklyn or Manhattan, something I think has gone a little askew. And that's when people will then say, well, why am I going to buy your crack shack for a million and a half? I'd rather just pay half a mil for a plot and then spend whatever it is to put up something I really want bespoke. And here's where the headache comes in. People are scared because construction can be a nightmare. But talk to me about how because that I think is the biggest concern. How would you address that specific concern with what you're trying to develop? Well, there's a couple things there. I think this might be a hot take too. Um, Go for it. We're here for it. <laughs> I think there's, I really truly think right now, there's always been dialogue, discussion, talk about the Springs and that area kind of coming up. And it's mm-hmm. always somehow it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. We're at a point now where. Hang on one second. Explain yeah. to people what the springs are, because some sure. folks might not realize. So East Hampton Springs is an area. It's an area of East Hampton Town. It's a little bit north of East Hampton Village. You have Three Mile Harbor out there. It's on the east side of of that water um, body. And hadn't Moby's relocated for a short period of I thought, time? I think it. I think it did. Yeah. I think it mm-hmm. did. Um, Point is up there too. Yep. Correct. And the the reason why you know. There's a lot of land. There's a lot of untapped dirt up there. And the reason why it, it's remained like that is because it has this connotation of just like not truly Hamptons. It's a little woodsy. You know, you kind of lose cell service up there. It's it's mm-hmm. 15 minutes to get to Main Street in certain mm-hmm. areas. Um, but I got to tell you something. That's the last area that you have land there where you can still buy a plot for a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. And it could mm-hmm. be okay. And you could build what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, in other areas, the Hamptons, that's gone. That opportunity is yeah. gone. You can't yeah. buy a, a half million dollar. You'd be lucky to find a half million dollar tear down in Southampton yeah. at this point. It's just not like, it's just, it's not there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. you got to start, you know, you got to start around the, uh, 750 or like getting closer mm-hmm. to a million. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's one thing I think you'll see a push in East Hampton Springs. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I just don't see where else you go, you know, like we're struggling to find inventory. I have builders calling me every day, trying to look for things and, and try, trying to have me come up with off market opportunities. And they're really, you know, I have, 
I got this. You know, I go d- literally door to door now, man. This is like old yeah. school shit yeah. where I'm like knocking on doors. They don't answer to find off markets, to find listings. Cause there's just such a supply deficiency right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think like the Springs might get a push. I think the North Fork might get a little push too. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and those things have been always swirling around people's kind of minds. But I think now is the time there's, there's just nothing really left building. Um, yeah, you got to find someone that is trustworthy, is not going to hammer you with bill costs and, the, and, and PSF, someone that has done it for a long time, doesn't rush the project. There's builders that, you know, they they bang out 30 spec homes, 30 homes in a year, and the, the quality just isn't there. The integrity of the home isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm trying to find that balance. Is it, like, three to four homes a year? Right now, mm-hmm. my family and I would do two a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my little brother is the project manager. Mm-hmm. He's a hustler. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a learner. You'll see him on season two. He's like a d- dark, handsome, full head, of, you know, beautiful head of hair. His kid's great. Mm-hmm. And he's a worker, right? He's, he's yeah. on the job sites all day. But yeah, you got to find someone that you really um, connect with, trust mm-hmm. in the process, has done it for a long time. And um, yeah, it's not as like daunting of a thing as people make it out to be like. Yeah. Here's the one thing that you yeah. said that's interesting, right, with the spec homes is given like the millennial culture, right, of like uh, specificity and bespoke. The word bespoke, people love bespoke. Now, whether it's bespoke suiting or bespoke cocktails. And I really or bespoke think- real estate brokers. <laughs> Boys. Yeah, but they're in another league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, but um. But when it comes to builds, I just don't think um, I personally, right? I, I would rather something that's uniquely designed with architectural features um, rather than something that's spec. And uh, first of all, that creates further complications with the build because um, you're doing, you know, brand new architecture. But um, I think there's going to be a, a push for that because frankly, you know, we've seen the leisurama, right? Those things still exist in Montauk, right? And people don't know this Macy's back in, I think it was the 50s or 60s, you could walk into Macy's and buy a house in Montauk. It was a spec house, right? Wow. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's, you know, and those things are falling apart now. And I think people want unique. A- absolutely. Unique. And I think there's like a really good base of, you know, builders like myself and, and, and our group, but also like the architect game like has yeah. changed out here. These yeah. boys, there are some firms that are very, very talented at what they do. Oh, yeah. So I think like if someone, what I would advise someone to do if you're thinking about building is to reach out to someone like myself. It doesn't have to be me. Do your homework and maybe find someone. But someone that understands and has relationships with architects, with the building departments, that's mm-hmm. a whole other, that's a whole oh, other component yeah. out here. Yep. They oh, make yeah. it your life hell. But if you have someone that has relationships there and is willing to go and sit with those guys at the town building departments and, and work together to come up with the master plan, mm-hmm. then you're gravy. But you have to have that, that like contact person. You have to have that like quarterback that's working with you to figure out how to best put your imprint on your new home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. And that's it. That's the that's it. Uh, game plan from JB Andreasi himself. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's leave it there. I'm sure we'll speak yeah. again. You know, whether it's uh, on the podcast or doing some uh, other kind of content together. But uh, it's been great chatting with you. And uh, till next time.
Yeah, it's been real. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to come on again. You guys are doing an awesome job. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Till next time. Peace.